We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Fights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tie to Andrew John. Three streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Awabakal and Wanarua lands, this is the Bay 53 podcast, and we are part of the Sports Best Friends podcasting network, and we are still brought to you by A-plus contracting and polywelding. This is the K-Dog, and I'm joined by Bretto. We are in a ecstatically good mood tonight, but don't let that fool you. We are still the pod that has the balls to tell you to fuck off if we want to. Let's get straight into it. We've got everything happening you'll never hear us do a podcast this happy after a loss but bretto it is an historic day in the history of the newcastle knights nay rugby league rugby league's complete now mate we have completed rugby league i feel like the four like the force is balanced i yeah, feel absolutely. the chosen one has just found his place and this is and this is the starting point of all the good things that are going to happen in rugby league across the land, across the world, moving forward. This is Anakin on the edge of going to the dark side and then coming back <laughs> to the light. <laughs> this is how Star Wars should have been. Oh, I um, what an incredible day! What what an incredible day that we have had in Newcastle. Um, and at, once again, we are the centre of the rugby league world. Everybody's still talking about us um, for the right or the wrong reasons. And ladies and gentlemen, Kalen Ponga, the best player in the game, as far as we're concerned, will be with the Newcastle Knights for the next five years. He's on a mega deal. He's committed his prime playing years to our club. And I'm... I'm I'm pumped. I'm so pumped to be a Newcastle Knights supporter tonight. I mean, you're you're right. You're not it there, mate. These are his, now his prime years, 24 to 29. These are the prime years. Mm. This is where he'll be defined as a player. Yep. So if he, if he ends up being a rugby league great, he'll be in a Newcastle Knights jersey, and that's bloody exciting. It, it, so there 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 are two things that we really need to talk about uh, in this episode. Unfortunately, we do need to cover the game. You know, we'll get to that eventually. Um, but just in, an incredible um, occurrence today in terms of all of the speculation that has been going on about Kalen Ponga, as he said in his conference for years now. It, it hasn't just been weeks. It hasn't even just been months. Oh, no. so, it was the, it was the day that he, he signed this deal with the loopholes in it. Like the, the, the journos were straight onto it, and it's been in the papers every day ever since. So early this morning, or relatively early this morning, news started coming out across social media that the Newcastle Knights were going to hold a press conference. Now, the, the tweet that I saw about it was that it was going to address the speculation about Kalen Ponga's future. 
So my initial thought when I saw that was they are going to add more fuel to the flame by making a big deal about saying nothing. That that was what I thought was going to happen today. But slowly but surely, this word starts to filter through that the Knights are going to announce the re-signing of Kalen Ponga. And... The the whole like the whole complexion of the day as a Newcastle Knights fan just completely changed. It just turned on its head in terms of how we thought the day was going to end. Yeah, it's quite an interesting sort of thing, isn't it? You know, for for something that's essentially been at the centre of everything the club's done for the last couple of years, everything spoken about the club has to do with this. It was very understated, wasn't it? You know, even Kate KP was just in the own shorts and a polo. There was um yeah there was no dressing up the um there wasn't you know, the big trucks of media rolling up from Sydney it was very understated but um yeah I, I don't I don't know my question now is sort of did this just the nice gone we just got to get it done and happen or did KP just go no I don't want to make a big deal about it let's just do it and let's move on I think it's a second thing I think it's a second one I think um let, look let's stick to the, we'll stick to the timeline because I, I want to get to I want to get to the day in terms of the conference itself and how one of the more imbecilic podcasters in Australia managed to fall ass first into good luck and and be there today. So Wait, how um, did Mitch Dawg get there? <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Mitch. So I had so for for the listeners, I had I just had the day off work today. And I was supposed to do a lot of other personal sort of things that ultimately I didn't get to. And I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, there is the potential that this is going to be something big today. I don't really have anywhere that I need to be. And so I just tried my luck and I thought, oh, I'm going to head over and have a, as my, as my grandfather used to call it, he says, oh, let's go and have a sticky beak. <clears throat> so I got there at about 20 past one today. I was so, I just, because I just thought, look, if, if, not, if I'm not going to get in there to have a look, that's fine, you know, no, no harm, no foul. But at least I get there early enough to know. And no, lo and behold, I went up to the went up to the um, uh, the centre of excellence, um, showed my you know relevant ID and whatever I needed to sign in and get in, and and they approved it. And the next thing I knew, I was sitting in the front row of uh, of the press conference, and it's a fairly big room the media room that they've now got at the Centre of Excellence. So what you see at the, is the sort of back end of the room where they had the the desk and the chairs and, and the signage. But sort of off to the side, against the much longer wall, they've got this giant big screen where they're just showing all of this Newcastle Knights footage. So grand final replays, great games, uh, all the promotional stuff. And, yeah, it was just a case of um, sit, l- wait, listen, see what happens. And, um, yeah, we were all just sitting there sort of waiting for for Kalen Ponga um, and his entourage or whoever was going to join him to come out. It was um, – oh, it was just a surreal experience being there. I just – because you text me to tell me what you're doing, and I was just like, this is going to go two ways. This is going to be the greatest thing that's ever happened, or K-Dog's going to be thrown at his ass. We're never, ever going to ac- get access to a Knights player ever. Well, it's not only like, – it was either I was either going to be the greatest day ever. Or I was going to get banned from the club. It was never going to be. It was never going to be any. It's, sort of, it's the basic three way. Yeah. <laughs> 
And um, yeah, so it's, I don't really know how they set up the centre of excellence in terms of the floor plan. But again, off to the side, there's this really long hallway that comes into the media room. And Frank Barrett sort of popped his head out and said, yeah, well, look, we'll get everybody to take their seats. Um, we're going to start in a few minutes. And then the photographers sort of start to gather around the doorway in readiness. And yeah, KP just started walking down the hall. And I reckon it's got to be 20 to oh, maybe 15 to 20, maybe 25 metres long. And he just started walking down with uh, with Andre, Adam and Danny behind him. And the, 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 the um, cameras started clicking like mad. And, you know, they were literally taking a photo of his every step. And, um, yeah, they, they sat down in front and he started uh, – Kalen obviously started speaking. And, yeah, when he said, um, I've, I've signed a deal for five more years, I, I couldn't help myself. I just – I cheered. I was um, I was just so excited that this uh, this amazing player who I've been following for the past few years, who I'm not sure if I could have handled watching him play in another jersey, he's uh, he's committed to five years with uh, with the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, that's that's the thing with me. I I I, w- I wouldn't hate Kalen for leaving, but I couldn't see him in another jersey. I just there's no way I could watch a Dolphins game if he was in a Dolphins jersey. Oh, absolutely not. Like it just, yeah, and um, and it's it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, like you sort of you think about the whole timeline of events for the last two years leading up to this day. So the whole thing's dragged out, dragged out, dragged out. Then bang, it's done. Mm. And and then you throw that in with the mix of yeah, you blagging your way in in there, um. What a day! Like, just what a day, man! Like, what there a was day. some. There was some. What notable, a day to be living in God's country. There were some notable names there. Um, Craig Hamilton, obviously, uh, local legend, was there. Uh, Mitchell Hughes for NBN News. He was actually the one who um, I was chatting with a bit. I've, I've just forgot his name, and I said, "I said, look, I'm really sorry. I do know who you are, but I'm so nervous about being here. I said, I, I can't remember your name." He says, "Mitchell, mate." I said, "Oh, thank." And so he sort of uh, calmed me down a little bit and made me feel a bit more comfortable. Um, I had a but I had a bit of a chat to sort of chat with Frank Barrett as well, and the and the reason I thought that was a really interesting conversation was he, he said something to me where he sort of said because he obviously didn't know who I was or who I represented, but he sort of he said no we're really happy to have you here. He, he said we want we want to spread these these good stories. He said we want you know we want access to to um you know we don't know who might not might be listening to something that they're not listening to otherwise in many avenues as we can to to get the information out there. And I just thought to myself, the Newcastle Knights are always painted as these people who are so hard to get access to or, you know, they're really difficult to deal with. And I I was this random who just showed up and everyone there was nothing but pleasant and welcoming to me. It was actually a really good fun. Because the city media weren't there. <laughs> no, and that's that's it exactly. That That is absolutely it exactly. It's um, I was, I was, it's actually interesting. You, you sort of talk about... um like Frankie Barrett saying, you know, like we just want to get the word out there. I really, as we know, the night social media um, presence has diminished because of COVID and loss and staff losses and stuff. And that'll, that'll kick back up. But at the moment it's quite low key. The nights aren't stupid. They just think, well, this guy's going to um, live stream on Instagram. It's yep. going to be all over his podcast. I'm sure he's going to smash so- social um, media with it. Like it's just free. Yeah, we don't need exactly. to employ This guy's going to do all this for us for free. It'd be dumb to not want that. So, um, 
the press conference itself was because I want to get to obviously a, a lot of the I think the key sort of substantive issues that were dealt with in the in the press conference. And I think the the big one for me is obviously it, it's five locked in years, and and Mitch Hughes was very very quick to answer that. Uh, sorry, ask that question as soon as he had an opportunity. He said, "Is this five years, Kalen, or are there clauses? Are there triggers in there?" And and it's funny because Kalen stumbled when he was about to answer, and I was like, "Oh no," but. He eventually said, he said, no, this is five years. He says, it's just, it's five locked in years. There's there's nothing else going on. There are no rugby union clauses or release clauses. And I, I do think now that he stumbled because he was like, well, am I the one answering this? Or is this a business thing to answer? It's sort of, I think, I, I think everyone knew that it was sort of coming, but I'm really glad that Kalen was the one that answered it because coming from anyone else, it would have sounded like spin. Yeah, that that that's hundred percent, mate. Couldn't agree more. That Kalen had to say those words, because if that comes from anybody else, whether it's you know the club or a media person or whatever, it's just going to be oh you know spin. Yeah. But those words out of Kalen's mouth now, and and the other thing is we can now hold Kalen's feet to that fire, you know. Yeah. Mate, you said you're here for five years. Why are we still getting speculation that you're going to such and such? Yeah, so um that that was obviously I mean they don't they didn't talk about the the. Uh, financial element of the contract they very rarely do in rugby league contracts uh the word going around is five uh, it's a five million dollar deal i personally think if we're getting him for five million over five years that's unders for what his value is at the moment he's yeah, potentially the salary cap's going to shoot through the roof really soon correct he's potentially by, by 20 by 2024 the salary cap's probably going to be another three million bucks that makes so he, that deal really cheap. No, whatever you think of Kalen, when you think Kalen's a middling fullback, for a middling fullback, that's cheap at that in, on that salary cap. Correct. So he's I. The, the second thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't think this was sort of given. I I think a lot of the speculation about the Dolphins sort of overshadowed what he actually said. But what I thought was the more interesting part about uh, Kalen's press conference is. He actually did address this issue around what he wanted to achieve out of the next few years, and he actually did say words essentially to the effect about, "Look, I've I've done the I've I've done the building phase." He said, "I don't really have much interest at the moment, or at least for this foreseeable future, about not playing in a team that that's ready to win now." Now, let me be clear about something: I don't think that that was a comment on the Dolphins. I think, though, that was absolutely a comment about where he thinks the Newcastle Knights are. And I think it was an uh, it's going to be an overlooked vote of confidence from Kalen because a lot of tension will go to, you know, we're here to win. Everybody here's, here's here to win. We're all on the same page. But I think anyone who signs somewhere says, oh, I'm here to win, <laughs> okay? For, for, I'm sure Felice Kaufusi, when he goes to the Dolphins, oh, I'm here to win. I'm like, nah, okay, that's really nice to hear. But... Kalen's backed that up with substance where he sort of said he's taken a step further going, I'm I'm not interested in being in a place anymore where we're, we're, we're working towards being in a position to achieve something. I'm here to achieve now. And I just thought that that was so, it was a vote of confidence for what the club is doing, what the club has done and where he sees the club going, that he's excited about being a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, like this is this team's been built around Kalen. You know, like, it, the building has been done. Yeah, the success is not happening yet. We, we, we all see the results on the field. But that's not 
I don't think that's because the club has built the team wrong. I think we've been unlucky, and I think Kalen recognises that. You know, we have been unlucky. You know, um, we've had horrendous times of injuries the last few years. I mean, not quite there, but we're we're there. Like, you know, we, as much as we all get down down on the dumps and the results and stuff, we're not that far away. No, like we showed in that we showed in that Penrith game. You know, we're not that far away. We're we, we're just a dumb football team at the moment. And Kalen's a smart kid. You know, he knows football. He knows that this team's close. Mm. He knows that, the, and, and I'm not saying close to a premiership, but he knows this team's close to being in the conversation. Yes. You know, we, like it's it's not a huge leap from you know being on the edge of the eight to being in the conversation to being the premiers. Penrith did it in three years. Um, yeah. There's no why 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 would you? And not necessarily the Dolphins. Why would you just go backwards in any rate? You know, why would he go to the Dragons? You know, or any of those teams that are always down. Why would he go to the Bulldogs? Like Matt Burton's already regretting his Bulldogs decision. <laughs> so like, I, I think from where Kalen's sort of sitting at the moment, because he, he actually sort of did comment on the Dolphins, but more in terms of I thought he handled it really well because someone said, well, are you saying then that you don't think the Dolphins are going to achieve anything early? And he said, look, I'm really not going in. I'm actually not in a position to comment on what the Dolphins. He says, I, I really don't know enough about what it is, where they're at, and what they see their plans at. And it, it's funny because that's actually contradictory to what he said in terms of, yeah, the Dolphins were a real option because I'm like, mm, were they? Because if you're if you're saying to everyone, oh, look, I, I, I don't know enough about what it, where they're at and what they want to achieve. To, I was like, well, how seriously? How serious? So I, I, I think one of those two statements. I think it's one of those cases where the amount of money being speculated was an interest, but he didn't actually do his due diligence that you did yeah. before actually yeah. accepting the deal. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was a very telling uh, part of his um, of his press of his what he had to say. I want to talk a bit about Adam O'Brien as well because Adam O'Brien really didn't say much, and I think he was very happy for it to be that way. But and you and I have spoken a bit about this in terms of what we think of Adam O'Brien as a coach and as a person, and I think this ties in a lot to our feelings when he does post game press conferences is that. He's just too well-spoken a person to not be a good coach. And there were a lot of the things that he sort of did say to, uh, today in terms of, you know, the importance of Kalen being a part of what they want to achieve. He spoke about Kalen as saying, I, I, he said, I've played with some of the, I've, sorry, he said, I've coached some of the best players that this game has ever seen. And this guy sitting next to me should be in those conversations. Now, this is a guy who coached at the Melbourne Storm. <laughs> we know who he's talking about. And so his opinion of Kalen Ponga is it's stratospheric. Like he's and this five year deal to me, it gives Adam O'Brien so much more clarity about what he can do going forward. Now we're going to get to whether or not he's still the man to do that job next year, but for what he can do right now, that gives him so much more focus now in terms of a lot of moves that he can make now to not only get wins now, but gets further success down the future. Yeah, you know, you know the first thing. It's probably not the first thing in his mind, but it, but to me, it's the big thing now. So now he, the first thing he thinks of is what's the KP future? You know, when is the five eight move happening? Is it is the five eight move happening? You know, like you can actually plan around that now. Yes. You know, like so it's it's a so then so what they do is they go either next year KP's fullback or five eight, and whatever he's not, that's what we need to buy. So that's that's a yeah that's a huge step forward as it is because they know they need to buy. You know, eat one of a five eight or a fullback. Whereas until KP had committed, they might have needed to buy two. 
Um, you know, and then that's and that's massive because those positions cost so much money. Oh yeah. You know, and your whole game plan re- revolves around fullback 100%. And yeah, I say five eight. You know, Clifford six seven whatever he plays. You know, you're looking for the someone next to Clifford. Um, but yeah, for now five five years locked in. So whether he thinks, well, I'm going to two years at, at fullback and then he'll be five eight. You know, the mid the sort of 26, 27, moved to 5'8". Um, but I sort of look at Adam O'Brien and the yeah yeah the, the big statement of this guy should be the conversation with some of those greats at Melbourne. Um, that's kind of the thing that gets me in two minds about Adam O'Brien. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he knows what a great player looks like. He knows what a great player does off the field to make themselves great. You know what? What is he seeing besides behind the scenes at this club that we can't see? Yeah. Um, because honestly, if I was just judging him on his, you know, the way the team's gone this year, and you know, he's made a few dodgy excuses here and there, I'd be like, oh, you know. But I just, I don't know. I don't know what. Maybe it's blind hope. But there's something about it where I just go, no, this guy knows what a good football team and a good football player looks like. I think. I actually do see what you're saying there in terms of, well, is that is it just spin or is he saying something that he genuinely believes? For me, one of the things that actually supports what Adam O'Brien says about Kalen Ponga is the Hayden Knowles podcast pre-season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to get too sort of like theoretical or analytical about, well, you know, what is reality and how do we analyze something? But you sort of, those two, you know, well-spoken, highly intelligent men, Adam O'Brien, Hayden Knowles, they sort of said things that are fairly consistent, but they've said them in such a manner that it doesn't feel like, oh, this is the club line. You know, you know when the yeah, club line... Yeah, certainly not from Knowles. Knowles, and, and, you know, people go back and look at those early pods of Mars. Knowles, he, he, he was just adamant. No, no, no. I didn't know what to expect from KP, and you guys just blown me away. And it wasn't a club line because you could you could hear the, in the enthusiasm in his voice just going... This guy's blowing me away. Mm. So I, I think off the back of that, there's there's enough sort of consistent evidence across what Kalen said, across what um, uh, O'Brien said. Um, th- there's one other thing from the press conference that I really do want to talk about, and it's that, and it goes back to the beginning of it, which is that Danny Badiris was the one who who started it, and he spoke very briefly. He, he sent uh, Phil Gardner's apologies for not being there. Which does say to me that this was this was not planned today. I think they yeah, had planned yeah, to do film, it soon. Film being there is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't think today they intended to do it, and that's going to tie into us um, putting James Hooper on blast later. Oh, oh. <laughs> so turn the volume down when that bit comes, because I'm going to start yelling. So um, Danny Badira sent um, Phil Gardner's uh, apologies, but after that, he he just went straight into. He said. This is a his, this is a significant day for the Newcastle Knights, and I was like, and that moment I sort of thought to myself, the Newcastle Knights now have managed to sign two of, I mean, what the top twenty, top twenty five, top ten players that we're going to see in the last thirty years. They've committed their careers to the Newcastle Knights. So Danny Bedir has played with Andrew Johns. He knew the significance of what Kalen Ponga was announcing uh, today. And I just I loved the fact that that was the way it started, was the fact that, you yeah. know, their football manager, the manager of football operations was saying to everybody, 
if you care about this club, this is a big, this is a really big deal today. It's not yeah. just, you know, locking in our best player. This is a signing of particular significance when it comes to the player of this quality that wants to give his best of his best to us. And I, I the, just and, and the great thing about the Dolphins coming in that people can't speculate. Well, the Knights were just paying him the most. That's why he's at Newcastle. Because that was always the thing. The reason why he came to Newcastle was they were, they were giving him the most money. Well, now yeah. we're not giving him the most money. And if he declared he was on the market, I guarantee the Dolphins would have been the big, biggest offer either. Because so many clubs, you know, the Tigers and those sort of clubs that got salary cap space to burn would have been throwing one and a half million bucks at him. Mm. It's just fact. You know, um, the, the argument with Newcastle Wall was is always, and it's always been that, we pay overs. You know, guys come here to, to get money. Well, KP's not taking the most money. No. He's not, and he's not giving us his retirement years, and he's not here as a kid trying to get a big contract. He's literally giving us the prime of his career on on whatever you think of KP, it, whether it's slide over, slide unders, it's around the right money. You know, to me, no one could argue his price is between 800 and 1.1 $1. $1 million. In that vicinity is where KP's correct money is. Absolutely. So, you know, it just, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really big deal that he's given us his five prime years at the market rate. Newcastle are the premiers. Andre Ponga, I thought, held himself with um, class and distinction today. The more I've thought about it and the more I've seen some of the commentary coming out about Andre, I mean, if you if you ever want to learn rugby league fans' ability to be petty for the sake of it, you can even put it down to, well, why isn't he wearing a club polo? Well, maybe because the guy who doesn't work for the club isn't is um, trying to, um, you know, create give some sort of demeanour of, um, of respectability on his own part. But... It's been very funny to me, the post-fallout, which is that, well, Andre Ponger obviously has too much influence on Kalen and the club. And I'm like, what? That's what you got from today? I, I, I just, it, it's it's blown me away that Kalen's finally, like, sorry, I'll retract that. Shout out to Kalen's done the right thing by the club, but he hasn't done it at the expense of himself. And he even went to some sort of lengths in a one-on-one -on -one interview to sort of say, um, what father wouldn't want what's best for his son? Like he, yeah. Andre hasn't put a gun to anybody's head in, in any of this, and and from what we sort of understand is that you know the, I think the biggest issue that people seem to have with Andre Ponger is that he's proving that players can you know make deals with clubs, and you don't have to worry about agents walking away with oh, a giant commission from it. Mate, I guarantee some of this stuff has been planned by agents because they don't want parents to be able to get involved. There is no doubt in the world some of these hate for, for Andre Ponger is being planted by agents because they don't want the parents to get involved. They, they want to get, they because no one's getting a cut now. KP's mm. got this mammoth deal and none of the, no one in the um, professional agency for, body union is getting a cut of it. Mm. So, feel, that'd be filthy, mate. So I, I, I thought, I just thought, because I did ask Andre, I said, look, you, your role in this over the last um, few weeks has been, it's gotten fairly prominent coverage. How has that sat with you? How, how have you sort of felt about, you know, the, um, the the media speculation about you. Now, in hindsight, I actually thought about that question. I was like, that had every capacity to come across as a gotcha comment or a gotcha question. And it really wasn't. I was genuinely curious as to what his answer was going he's to be. He's not a professional. You know, he's not a professional. It's got to affect you, doesn't it? 
And that's exactly right. Like, that would have to get, you know, you're looking out for your son's best well-being and you're having to read this stuff about what a tyrant you are, about how you're, yeah. you know, you're hassling Phil Gardner. You're about, kids money in, you know? You know, oh, we're pulling the deal because, you know, you won't let us announce it the way I want to. That's got to get to you. Or what? You, you know, yeah. we've read some, we, we've come across some negative comments about the Babe 53 podcast and they hurt. So, um, you know, I thought, he, and I thought he handled it really well. He just sort of said, he said, look, you know, people are going to write what they're going to write. He says, I, I don't let it affect me. I, I've done the best that I've, I've um, tried to do. And others, if they want to do, and <laughs> because if they want to do things, it's up to them to do things with honour and integrity. And those were the exact words that James Hooper then decided to put on blast as he's doing the most dishonourable thing, lacking in integrity by sharing um, text messages exchanges to prove a point. Oh, I, I was really impressed with Andre Ponga today. I thought um, uh, he, he really did genuinely just come across as a father who was like, I want my son to be happy. And and I think I think that's what they've managed to achieve. The, the thing with the Pongas is, but they're clearly an insular family. You know? They've moved around the country together. They had a, a tragedy, you know, a number of years ago when Caitlin's younger brother um, tragically drowned. You know, yeah. it's a family that's clearly very insular and they look after each other. Why is anyone surprised that they want to do this together? Yeah. And as I said, it comes down to you, mate. It comes down to the people that the people that are used to getting their own way and used to getting all the stories and used to things being the, the media and the agents are all filthy because they're not getting what they want. And James, well, I, James Huber can eat a bag of dicks. That is the most <laughs> disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. How you can call yourself a journalist and release text messages from a private person. He's not a manager. He's not. He's, he's nothing like that. He's just mm. a dad helping his son get a contract. Mm. So a piece of absolute horseshit. So I do want to talk about the text message exchange a little bit because I think that sort of ties into what I was saying before about and what you and I were sort of saying is like it felt very low key, and Phil Gardner's absence. The, the third thing that really actually does point into in the direction that yeah today was absolutely not planned is that text message exchange because if that text message exchange is legit. I genuinely do think Andre Ponga was like, oh, geez, we've got to deal with this again. I've got to get an answer back to these guys. And Kalen's just come to him and said, we're doing it. Just sign it and announce it today. I want it done. And I think yeah. Andre's gone, oh, uh, uh, well, well, what am I – I've got to get back to this guy now. And it's funny, you know, I was – I'll put my hand up here. I was really critical and annoyed with um, Kalen when he was talking about, you know, this will be on my terms and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be announcing it when I'm – and I thought, oh, that just – that just does not feel like a guy that's, um, you know, wary of the club. What I now understand, and I was wrong. I was wrong about it. Is that yeah, words actually do have meaning. He didn't mean that it was just as long as he's happy and that's the end of it. He wanted to be able to tell his teammates, you know, like he he wanted to be able to do it in a way that, you know, he, and he said today he said I I wanted to be able to tell the people that I care about. With my words, I, I didn't want it coming from the, the, the club. I didn't want it coming from the media. I didn't want it leaked. I wanted to be able to make my decision um, to make sure what was what was happening best for all involved. But then I wanted to be able to let the people line up. And who doesn't want to do that? You know, when you, when you get good news, you want to be the one to be able to tell the people that you care about. And okay, then let it go out into the world. And I, I just thought... That was probably a big part in terms of what was happening. So I do think the speculation um, brought the announcement forward because I think Kalen started to realise, well, we can't sit on this any longer because I'm going to lose the ability to tell the people that I want to tell. 
and it's just going to blow up, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, I think the the Sunday um, story, you know, breaking that he, the Knights have pulled the off. I think that was the final straw for Kaylin. I think that spooked him. I, I think know, like finding just, that. I think I, finding I, that. Just a, just a, a quick ten seconds on that. Like that that that's one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. A national broadcaster is broadcasting gossip during a, a call of their game. This wasn't pre-match. This wasn't at halftime. They announced that that happened during the game. Fox Sports did. Because a, a News Corp reporter tweeted about it. So, like, uh, yeah, I, no, I, I want to talk about that a little bit as well because um, I've actually had um, uh, Nagy f- uh, of the Joust deep into my DMs about that. And he said that was proof, if any proof was lacking anymore, that two things. The, the media love a night story. And don't please don't give me this garbage. that, that The Knights and the Tigers... The, the, the Tigers are maybe – what I've seen the last few weeks, the Tigers are the only ones that I think that can maybe say to the Knights, no, no, we're, we're in this as deep as you are when it comes to getting clicks. But the fact that the, that anyone in the media thought that that was a great story to release in the manner that they did says to me – During that, the game. Well, no, see, because I want to get – because that's the second part to that is that the, I've got no doubt that they released that at the exact time that they did because there was going to be a twofold impact from that. One was they knew it was going to spook Kalen when he came out after the game. But the second thing is what the, uh, Nagy was saying. He's like, every eyeball of a new, of Newcastle Knights support was on that screen. They knew that everyone was going to be watching that game. That is the prime time to be releasing something like that because you are guaranteed to get the most coverage. It's disgraceful. It, it's on... I'm so off the, the rugby Did you imagine the AFL doing that? That would never happen in the AFL. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Because if that happened in the AFL, the AFL would pull the contract. The AFL would pull the contract with the TV network. And yep. go, you are not covering our game ever again. Correct. So um, I, I just I just thought the way it's been, it was um, handled over the weekend and, then it, and in the days leading up to it. And I put my hand up for a second thing as well, is that, yeah, I am the quintessential Knights fan that they're targeting things at. Because I sort of had reached a point where I'd sort of been like, I'm tired of this speculation. Maybe it's best that Kalen does move on somewhere else because I just want to enjoy my team. And today I realised that was what the media, that was exactly what they wanted at Fox. Yeah, that was, That was the reaction they were looking for. They wanted to put Kalen so offside with the fans that we wanted him to leave. Yep. And it was working. Like everyone knows, you know, like, you know, I'm pastor at the Church of Kalen. You know, everyone knows how much I love the dude. I was, I'd had enough. I was just like, I just want this to end. I, I hope he goes to rugby. You know, I just wanted it to, like, I just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. I couldn't deal with it every time I turn my phone on, something else happening. Like, I've been off social media the last couple of days. It's been bliss. <laughs> it's been absolute bliss. It's, but yeah, like, I just, the, the story coming out as it did, um, and then, and then when Bulldog got called out, it'd been absolute horse crap by the Knights and by various other sources. He went, oh, no, 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 I just stand by it. And every other media guy going, oh, no, they, this has been sold to us too. We've all, you know, we all just realised it was all horse shit. Mm. And, and Bulldog's still doubling down on it. And now he's got his Fox buddies, but he's jumping on his back to protect him. Yeah. It's a disgrace the way the game gets treated by the media, mate. I just, it's, it's honestly affecting how much I love the game. And I never thought that had happened. Yeah, and, and no, I don't even mind that stuff because I literally I couldn't like I'll tell you how much I actually how little I watch of the the coverage. I've never heard a Matt Nable body speech, a monologue. 
I've never heard one of them because I don't because I literally turn the game on as it kicks off, turn it down at half time, turn it off at full time, and don't listen to anything else. Yeah, and I and it's still driving me mental. Like, like <laughs> the people that actually watch all that stuff, I can't believe they can put up with it. So, um, and I look, I, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on this actually too much longer because today is an exciting day. You know, someone uh, DM'd me and said, "You must be so, like, you must be so happy that this is locked in, and you can just look, you know, concentrate on the footy now." And you know, and and I said, "It's such a shame that it's not a hundred percent excitement because it's it's sort of fifty percent excitement." And the other 50% is just relief that it's done. And so I do want to talk a bit about the James Hooper article about the text messages. Why is that story about Andre Ponga instead of who at the Dolphins is releasing those text messages? That, that's the story. Oh, no, because you know who's releasing it. Wayne Bennett's releasing it. Oh. He's, been, he's been doing it for 20 years. So that's the second barrel to this is that the big story out of today is that Wayne Bennett has not landed another fish. That is another one. Oh, they're, they're screwed, mate. He has put a big piece of bait out there, and the, it's another big one that's got away. And he has got to – they now have to do everything in their power to get Cameron Munster for 2024, not, not even for next year. So why is that not the big story that's come out of today is that – the Dolphins now have – that was their marquee man. That was their big target, and they wooed him, and they showed him a, a big, the, the big day, show. From the day the franchise was announced, literally yeah. the day they were announced as a franchise, they were speculators getting – Ponga was the one they were going to get as their marquee. Literally and, the day they were announced as a franchise. And they missed it. And they, and, and they missed it. You know, like in, and it's not even the fact they missed it. They didn't they – didn't, they missed it offering more money. Yeah. It's not like the Knights come over the top of them. Which they could have. The Knights have got plenty of cap space. They could have come over the top of them, but they didn't. Yeah. It's um like, like I'm not a Wayne Bennett hater. I'm not, you know, I don't blame him for the, the Knights ills. You know, well, I don't blame for most of them. I um, maintain, yeah, just on that, I actually maintain the, the three years that we had Bennett as the coach of Newcastle Knights, he was the coach we actually absolutely had to have. I, I, if, I, we didn't have him, if we didn't have him during the Alex incident, the club would have um, imploded. Yeah, correct. Um. But the, the the thing that really drives me wild is just this hold that Wayne Bennett has over rugby league. Feel good's the same. Feel good in Sydney. Wayne Bennett in Brisbane. Yeah. They have this hold over rugby league where they are the puppet masters pulling the strings and everybody bows down to them. Wayne Bennett hasn't won shit for bloody over a decade now. Nope. He has. You know the you know the Broncos have once is what oh five. What's in Georgia in twenty ten. Uh, St. George 2010, uh, Broncos 20, um, tw- 2006. And I, that one always yes. stays with me because their uh, premiership drought is only five years shorter than ours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, it's just – I don't I don't understand how a game that's professional rugby league, a billion-dollar game at rugby league, is controlled by two old idiots that, don't, that speak rubbish. Like, like this, you're right, 100% those texts – were given to Hooper from Wayne Bennett. You know, and I guarantee you I know why it was Hooper because Hooper's got no morals. <laughs> Honestly, I'm being, I'm, I reckon a lot of rugby league journalists, even even pieces of shit in rugby league journalism, we go, no, that's too far away. We can't even release <laughs> that, you know. And Hooper, the, you know, the drunken car jumping idiot, of course he can't release it because he's got no job. His job is just to put shit out there. Oh, it's, we're gonna get we we're getting taken off the air after this one, um, but cool. no, but no, I completely. I we actually peaked. Abs- we peaked today. 
I um, I completely agree with you on that in terms of um, it, it says a lot about where the game is at at the moment that those released text messages the story are about a, the story is about a father looking after his son. Andre Pong is a private man. Yeah, He's not a registered manager. Yeah, and, you, and and you have an and, and you have an issue with him doing negotiations. Take it up with the NRL because they let him do it. Yeah, and the NRL and this rules is, allowed for it. He didn't break any rules. Well, this Take is the thing because. This is why I think the text messages actually say, you know, nothing in terms of what what Hooper's trying to make out is that if those text messages are legit, what those text messages say to me is that Andre Ponga didn't know what was coming today. <laughs> He's, he genuinely Absolutely. thought, he was like, yeah, I'll go and get another update. Yeah, we'll do this. Next thing we know, the Knights are like, oh, we need to have a press conference. This has obviously been signed. And I go back to what I said before. I think Kalen has said, no, no more leaks, Dad. Don't contact them anymore. I'm telling my mates. I'm telling my teammates. I'm telling my family. And then we'll tell the press, the press conference. He said, I'm tired of my future. He probably said, I'm tired of my future being played out in the media. This is the way I want it. And Andre, the, next question, God, the, next question oh, is, the next question I ask is, how long has he, has he actually signed the bit of paper? I reckon it's been a while. You I reckon? think he's actually signed the bit of paper, for whether it's a few days, a, few, a week or so. It certainly didn't happen last night or today. And, you know, all these speculations being just Bennett and the Dolphins, obviously not knowing that he'd signed, trying to throw on their, their last throw at the stumps. Yeah. And Andre absolutely. being a bit naive and sort of, you know, um, falling for it. Yeah. And Andre's probably trying to do right by his son. And they're probably waiting for Phil Gardner to get back absolutely. so they can all announce. So I assume Andre assumed that this, none of this would get it to happen until after Phil was back. So yeah. I think he's got, he's the all, whenever Phil's back, until I've got until then at least, mm. you know, to play the game. Yeah, but anyway, look, I, I think um, the media—that's the, the media is going to play out, you know, the way it's going to. And I think, unfortunately, um, what I've learned from today in the post-media reaction has been, Kalen resigning was never going to end the um, speculation. It was just going to push the speculation elsewhere, and that's exactly what sort of happened. But. Um, it's it's um, it's a momentous day for the Newcastle Knights, and it's one that our fans should be celebrating. I'm I'm almost embarrassed for our fans that it is not universally being um, celebrated and loved for the great day that this is. Like he is one of the top five most. Sort of, forget what you think about Kalen Ponga's talent, right? Everybody in their man, you know, there are still people who say that Lockyer was overrated, that Joey was overrated. You know, there are probably people that say Dally Messenger was overrated. Forget Cam what Smith was overrated. Okay, forget what you think about their, their talent. Kalen Ponga was one of the top five most sought after players in the competition, and he said, "I want to play my best football at Newcastle." That is a great day for Newcastle. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that, that's a big tick for the coach too. Oh yeah. Because oh. whatever you whatever you whatever you say about Brownie and Kalen knife and him, whatever you say about it, Kalen didn't trust a good coach. He did not trust that he, that Brownie could coach. Well, he didn't want to be coached by Nathan. Yeah, you know, and, and it's proven right. Brownie still done nothing. Well, like I know people <laughs> listening to this podcast are going to get upset at me again, but, but Nathan Brown still hasn't still hasn't sniffed the finals. Still hasn't sniffed the finals. You know, how long has he been around for now? He, could, he couldn't do nothing with the Dragons till you know, Wayne Bennett had to go and help him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we must point out at this point that the Warriors are above us on the um, on the table. Yeah, they were above us last year and the year before that too until the Brownie influence gets in mid-season and they'll fall apart and finish 13th. That's what they do. I'm no expert. I just love the game.
But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. I think you're right to be, to your original point. I think this is a great tick of approval for Adam O'Brien. And and look, I, I'm going to use this to segue into Sunday's unfortunate game. Um, I still do think that Adam Bryan can coach. I, I, I do maintain – I think he's not the perfect coach yet. One thing that I think does get overlooked a little bit is that this is still a third-year rookie coach. This is a rookie coach going into his he's third year. He's had COVID year. for three years as a coach. And he's had to deal with a pandemic uh, that has just ravaged the competition over the last two years. You know, no other coach in Newcastle Knights history has managed to get successive uh, finals campaigns during a pandemic. Okay, he's he's literally the only one. So, um, Wayne Bennett hasn't even done that, mate. <laughs> So I, I do think that Adam O'Brien can coach. I think Kalen Ponga absolutely believes that he can coach. He's on a long-term deal as well. Um, I do think, though, that in his third year, there are still some lessons for him to be learning. And I still think he's learning how to adapt. I still think he's learning how to um, prepare, but to give himself um, sort of room to to move. Um but he's he's just he's got to be so confident now in terms of what he can do with that team, knowing that his best player and captain isn't going anywhere any t- anytime soon. Yeah, and what it does, it just it's just another excuse removed. You know, the you know I've I've been accused and you've been accused too of being apologists for AOB, mm. and we in a certain way we, we may have been, but um, he's had you're right, he's had a million excuses. Like there's there's been legitimate. He hasn't had a chance to work out how he's a coach yet because he hasn't had any consistency in how he runs the team. You know, we've had bubbles, we've had rules, we've had COVID rules, we've had rules where, you know, only a certain amount of players have been on the training field at the same time. You know, we, they've lived away from home. We haven't played home games. They've travelled away, you know, on buses and flying in and out every day and all these things that are just not standard rugby league and, you know, not what he was expecting to get at first grade. Yeah. They've all happened, you know, but as the pandemic dies down and now Kalen sign, those excuses are starting to wane. Oh no. They're they're going they're definitely going by the way. You know, so. and, and and the injury and honestly, like this is another excuse, I'm sure people are gonna say it again. But the injury toll hasn't been great this year. We have, we've also put up some ordinary performances. But I still can't forget the team that we first saw in those first three weeks. Uh, so all right, so let's um let's we'll we'll do a bit of around the grounds. Let's get to the let's get to some of the action from the weekend. Um, oh man, it was a hard game to watch on Sunday. That was that that was fingernails down chalkboard stuff. It's so many intervals in that Dragons game. Um, a glass half full approach says, yeah, we 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 did really well to to keep them to within a, a converted try at the end. Mate, the glass half empty approach though says this where is this team? What has happened yeah. to that team from the first two and a half weeks or the two and a half rounds of this season, two and a half games, sorry, of this season? Because that team on Sunday was a shadow of what yeah. we saw yeah. over those first few weeks. Yeah, the, the the Sunday proved how many passengers are in this team. Because we had a really good KP game, you know, Frizz was very good, the halves were they were okay. You know, they they you couldn't blame the halves for 
for the loss. Um, I actually thought Phoenix had a. I, I thought he did. Yeah, really the Phoenix well, was solid. He was yeah. solid. Cliff was a bit quiet, but he was okay. You know, he's, that, there was no thing there. Big Eddie had a great game. Mm. Um, Clem had an outstanding game, but it just proved that there's such a you know a depth of passengers in this team. Yeah, we can't get. Yeah, the twins can't just can't get it together. So, um, so let's just very quick. I think our forwards at the moment are actually letting us down. I, yeah, hundred percent. I don't think our backs are the problem. No, hundred percent in the middle. What what is the strength of our team is at the moment the weakness. Yeah. And I think David Clemmer papered over a lot of. I think if not for David Clemmer, we would have had big, big problems on Sunday because oh, I think in playing the weekend we would have been twenty at least. Yeah. Absolutely. He, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on with the Twins. I just, I honestly don't know. I hope that Jacob, you know, winning the Badaris medal has made him get, get ahead of himself, but it certainly looks that way. Daniel shouldn't have been the origin conversation. Like, um, yeah, he's... Well, the only, the only origin conversation he's in at the moment, as far as Freddie is concerned, is a lot of areas that he needs to think about improving if he wants to get that um, that jersey back. Well, then that's the thing. You know, he was... He was the forward of the of the series last year, you know, he was he was outstanding. The last two Origin series has been outstanding. Mm. I just don't know where that player's gone. Um, it's only it's only you know, early and he had a interrupted start of his season, but wow, our forwards are just getting rolled over, and it's yeah. concern, It's not even consistency throughout game to game, or even you know throughout the game. It's literally tackle to tackle. Like how many times of the weekend did we have him pinned after three tackles in there? In their sort of 10, 15 meters. They just go the length just, of the field. And then we relax and they go bang, bang. Next thing you know, they'd be kicking from their 20, uh, from our 20, and we'd be under pressure on our line. Yeah. It, and you could see it coming every single time as well. Like there was, there was never, like, because I, I get very edgy about the first three tackles of every set when the fullback, um, you know, catches or picks up the ball inside their own 10 yards. I'm sort of, in the modern game, as a defensive unit, if you can get those first three tackles and the opposition is still inside their um, their 20, you've, you've done a really great kick chase. Well, you've done exactly... What their success on. Yeah, that, that, yes. So that's exactly what you've needed to done, needed to do. But there are so many, there were so many instances where the Knights would bring the ball back and we'd sort of still be, you know, we'd be in our 20 on the fourth tackle, but then we'd sort of, like, the Dragons would bring the ball back, and, you know, they'd be inside their 20 on the third tackle, but the next thing you know, it's a fifth tackle play inside our 20. And I'm like, yeah. what happened in the middle you of know, the You field? know what it was? Because I, I watched the replay again. You know what it was? Ben Hunt was very, very good at picking out the lazy guys. Yes. So many times they would make 30 metres in a tackle without doing anything other than Ben Hunt would find the lazy part of the defensive line and give it to the right man, and he would just run 20 or 30 metres untouched before someone tackled him. I thought he had a great game on Sunday. Oh, outstanding. He was the difference between the two teams. Yeah, no, exactly right. Um, 1,700 metres all run to 1,500 metres all run from the Knights. That absolutely stuns me. I, that did not feel like a 1,500 metre run game by the Knights because on we Sunday. Had, we, had a, we had a few long runs. Yeah, they were, you you flattered there. I always like to, I always like to um sort of take take out the long sort of the top three runs. No, I know what you mean. Bradman best found space. <laughs> oh, Bradman, oh, oh lordy, lordy, wow, how good was that? Bradman just burning Lomax, yeah, just burning. 
Wow. Um, you and I have been very, fairly critical of um, of Bradman in terms of that, that passive role that he takes in terms of wanting to get his hands on the ball. And I thought Sunday was one of the prime examples as to why when he goes looking for the ball, the damage that he can wreak. Because we, we've always said, you know, it's a lot of the, the Katoni Stags syndrome as well, like get him the early ball, get him the early ball. And he, it, there were times there where we did get him the early ball, but he went and found the early ball as well. Like yeah, he just he seemed a lot more eager to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's the thing with Bradman. Like it's such a – because you look at him and you go, oh, he's a battering ram. You know, he's massive. He'll, he'll help you get a rocket out of your own end. But you also can't front load all his energy into that. He needs to have some energy so that when you get him early ball in space, you know, he's got the, the spring in his legs. So mm. it's a real balancing act with Bradman. And I don't think he he understands. He's only a really young player. I don't think he's he still learning his craft. Um, you know, and he, I think he's really caught in between that. I can run over people and, you know, I can help us rock it out of our end and that's all great. We have absolutely need to do that. But mm. we also need to have some spring in the legs for when we do have a bit of time and space and KP – goes down a short side that he can, you know, that he can hit a hole because otherwise we're paying a lot of money for a guy that can do the job that, you know, a lot of other guys can do as a battering ram. You know that I've been very big on the metres run by our back five um, uh, this season. Uh, KP with 240 was obviously the standout. But yep, oh, but he the... lays down, mate. He lays down every time he gets tackled. Oh, don't get me started on that shit. Oh, I was, I'm f- Fuck, I'm filthy about this garbage. This is a player who historically is taken out every opportunity he was in, he's within 20 metres of a ball. He's actually doing something to protect himself for what? Catching a fucking ball. And people yeah, I could, say, I could, oh, I, could write, I could do you a 20-minute compilation from the 18-19 season every time KP got wiped out after catching a high ball. Yeah. Like so, literally every time he'd catch a high ball, he would get taken out. And, so, and I'm not saying... And, Sometimes it was punished. Like, there's lots of penalties the year for us doing that, but you can't. I don't. I, you know, I'd much prefer not get a penalty and KP not get whacked in the head every tackle. Correct. So, um, yeah. So, look, it's 240 meters for Kalen, but a, a hundred meters run from one to five. And you, you're right. I just want to go back to your thing about the, your um, point about well, where are the meters really being run? Um, Clem and Daniel Safidi were the only ones with 100 plus meters, and even Daniel only got to 113. All of our other four, uh, all of our other forwards were in the double figures, so they're sort of, you know, I'm even looking. Dan Sofidi, um, you know, to his credit, he sort of got a lot of post contact meters as well. So we might be a little bit hard, hard on Daniel, but I maintain we we have very high standards for him as a one of our rep players in that team. He's, he's supposed to be the leader of the pack. Correct. He, he's a, he, you know, as much as Clem was a former Origin forward, Daniel is an Origin forward. Daniel should be the leader in that pack. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not that I. Do, I don't. I'm not saying about Daniel because I don't think he's a great player. I think he's an outstanding player. I think he's got the ability to be the best prop in the competition. I think you know. I think he can do everything Payne Haas can do. He probably can't play the same minutes, but in terms of you know ability to affect the game, I think Dan, Daniel can do it all. Um, but he's just not doing it at the moment, and he's no. got too many simple errors. You know, oh, you, the you, you errors! Have two, you have two good runs, and you think, oh, here we go. And then he'll just drop one cold in our own half, and you just and it's back to square one. So, uh, yeah, mate, you, you've you've hit on one of the. I mean, we only completed twenty four out of thirty two sets. Now, having said that, we had thirty two sets of the ball. The Dragons had forty one, and they completed thirty six of them. What is the deal with every team? Suddenly developing a Melbourne Storm ability to complete sets when they play against us. Because, our, the contact Dragons... uh, because our contact isn't good enough. Yeah. 
How, when was the last time you seen a Knights player knock the ball out of someone's hand by hitting around the ball? Yeah. I tell you who does it, Kurt Mann. Oh, yeah. But when was the last time a Knights player whacked the guy around the ball and made him drop it? So this is the next thing that I want to sort of talk about is that you look at the negative play statistics there. Um, the Dragons have only committed six errors for the entire game. We've doubled that with 13. But then off the back of that, we've sort of... Now, I need to be very careful here because I'm on a massive stick at the moment in terms of not blaming referees. So I want to give everybody a heads up. You can talk about referees and their role in the game without actually blaming them for the result. So this is, this is what I'm going to attempt to do. The referee decided in terms of his interpretation of the way the game was being played on um, Sunday that the Dragons committed 80 minutes of ruck infringement and inside the 10 metres free football, and they only committed two fouls for the entire 80 minutes, compared to our four fouls, three ruck infringements and two inside 10. So what that means is that we didn't get any repeat uh, six agains for infringements, um, and the Dragons got twice as many penalties as us. Now, someone did point out to me, your 13 errors are your biggest, are your bigger issue there, and I agree with that. But there are a lot of reasons as to why you sort of create errors, and not all of those errors that we created that we did were through laziness. Yeah, there were a couple of sloppy ones, um, but certainly when you There's have... Some, there was a lot of tight errors. We're doing a lot of tack ones. Yes, that, that's And that was the next thing that I'll go, which isn't an excuse. We need to be better than that in terms of, you know, I've seen games where the your big three, your Storm, your Roosters, your Panthers, they don't always get the weight of possession. They don't always get everything going their way. But you know what they do manage to do in those games? Find a way to win. And that's what we're lacking at the moment. We, it's not enough to say, oh, well, Ben Cummins influenced the game. Every referee influences every game. You can't be going into every game going, well, you know, things go away. No, because things aren't always good. You need to be prepared for that. So you know what you do? You need to hold the ball better. You need to run the ball harder. You need to make better contact in your hits to compensate for these areas that are out of your control that might not go your way. To me, the biggest concern is that in a really important game against a team that we are far better than, we are far better than the Dragons, we got out enthused. Oh, Yeah. Like just, they were just doing everything faster and crisper than us. Yeah, and that and and that's that's on the coach as well as the players. Correct. And this um, is because you know that, we've heard for two weeks now. I want a response. I want a response. And he got some sort of response. We weren't we weren't pathetic on the weekend, but we were still way 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 off our best. You are listening to the Bay Fifty Three podcast. And this is where I think it's a fair criticism of, of Adam O'Brien is that I, – I, look, I think what he did coaching us in 2020 off the back of the pandemic and to get us into the top eight with the injuries included, there's disruption in his first year of coaching. It's one of the most underrated coaching efforts I've seen for a season. I think he didn't learn enough lessons from that. I think he sh- we, we probably should have done a bit better last year. But one of the one of the concerns that I am starting to see emerging in terms of the way Adam O'Brien coaches this team, and we said it on the last podcast, is that what are the lessons that you're learning from the mistakes that are being made? Because it just doesn't feel like they're yet being put into practice to improve us for the next time we have to face up to those things. The thing that gets me, bud, these were these were the same issues with this team in the Wayne Bennett era. This is this is how this team's been for fifteen years. 
So right. So is is it a personnel issue then? Is is this one of the reasons? Because and we're because we're going to try and get a guest on in a couple of weeks to sort of talk about how you build a roster and, and that's something that we're working in the background. So I don't want to say anything now that makes me look like an idiot in the face of all that. But is the it, do, you is, re- do you remember? Do you remember in 2014 and all the ups and downs? And Wayne famously said, "I don't know which team's getting off the bus." Yes. Now that's the most experienced, success and successful coach in the history of the game. Yep. Literally could not work out what his players were going to do. What chance does Adam O'Brien have? So to counter that, though, one of the things that historically good teams have shown is a stability of your roster helps you um, develop good habits. But how stable do we want to have a roster? roster. We haven't stopped to change the roster all that, you know? Well, um, but that's what, but that's what point we have, but not actually, you know, recruiting. Yeah, it's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural issue that comes from the bottom. It comes all the way from your, from your fifteens. There's something about the way this this club has been and continues to be. And Garth, it's Garth Brennan's job to fix it. He's he's been employed directly to fix the juniors. Um, that there's something. Inbred in these players, and no matter, and it's gone on for generations now. They, but that, and that's my point. But that, and that's that's my next point is that. Well, how much do we want to turn over that that roster, those people, to get that culture out, so that we can bring new people in to potentially have to start again? And that's the thing. That's not all we can do. What we need to do is people need to have their foot put to the fire. Guys need to be dropped. You can't. T- I know we've got injuries, and I know we're struggling for depth. But you cannot tell me that some of these performances these guys are put in for week after week now, they would be getting a run at a good club. Oh, absolutely not. No. Oh, no way. No. They're, and and that would and you know you look at your big your big three again. I mean, at the moment, none of them really have to worry about form drop. But mate, you look at someone like Trent Robinson. He's put a lot of his plays. Connor Watson, mate, straight back to the yeah. bench. You're not doing the job we need. See you, Takiyaho, mate. The amount of times he's been dropped in the last two years. Yes, and he's considered one of the better pops in the game. But every time he has a bad run of form, which he which he's inclined to do, he gets dropped. It's um, it's quite, it's quite strange to me how, as I said, how this has gone on now for generations. It's the same issues. It's discipline. It's effort. And these and and you say, well, they haven't got a winning culture. But a lot of these guys did nothing but win in the juniors. Mm. You know, our juniors win. They we know we they might not win comps, but you know, Bradman Bradman's sixteens team did. They might not win comps, but they always make the finals and that because you know we've got a good system, but yeah. they don't seem to carry it through. Are we you know? Are we identifying the wrong place? Is that the issue? Are we not? And, you know, are we are we picking the flash rather than the substance? And Is it's definitely. It's definitely a Newcastle Knights cultural thing because you compare the, the the representative players in the Knights team that have made their way through the Knights, and I'm sort of uh, I'm probably I'm sort of, I'm targeting Daniel Saifidi. You compare the way he carries himself in games compared to your Tyson Frizzell and your Dan Gagai, representative players, but who sort of made their careers outside of the Knights. Well, they're not dropping their standards week to week. Like they're consistent in each of their sort of performances, and I mean, Tyson Brazil came from the Dragons for crying out loud. Yeah, he he came to the Knights because he wanted to win. He was sick of losing. Yeah, so it's we always talk about culture and we always make fun of it in terms of you know oh, you know culture, but 
Culture plays a part. You and I have been involved in sport our entire lives, and you and I know that, no, actually, a strong culture is everything. It doesn't matter if you're paying these guys millions of dollars or if you're a social team paying them 500 bucks a game. Culture is everything because if your players aren't happy going out there, well, they're not going to perform. So what's been going on at this club for the last 20 years that you've got the greatest coach of all time saying, I just genuinely don't know each week how to consistently get them up to perform at their best. Like, I'm That's a problem. You would stick with me. Is it the Newcastle lifestyle? Is it the laid back, no, not a lot of external pressure, laid back Newcastle lifestyle? Because there's something, there's something that you know that's in that's in the air here. The players don't seem to perform at their peak consistently. And I absolutely agree with that. I I absolutely do um, believe that. Um, the Newcastle sort of city mentality is um, is something which is great. Like I love being a part. Yeah, of it. it's great. It's great to live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it certainly takes you know, and I love living because it takes the edge off. You know, you, do I really want the edge taken off by professional football players? <laughs> Can I say that? I do always love a good opportunity to highlight the greatness of Andrew Johns. I think it says a lot about what a winner he was. That we were probably the most consistent. And even we had our inconsistencies. Oh, the Dally would be the Andrew Johns medal if he went to Brisbane because he oh. won 400 premierships. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, th- I think, and look, maybe we've sort of come full circle a bit there in terms of, well, it, it is easy for us to sit here and be critical of, of um, Adam O'Brien. And yeah, okay, it was easy to be critical of Nathan Brown as well. When they're fighting years of culture, which sort of says to these players, you don't have to be at your best every week. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's part of the issue. One thing I did sort of think about Sunday, and it's, you know, like, but it's just a thing in rugby league. Like, the Dragons have now won nine years in a row over Easter, including the last two years over us, you know, as as to, in games that we should have won. Mm. They've always had the wood on us, the Dragons. Even when we were good and they were shit. They, they used to beat us. <laughs> Dragons always been our bogey team. Like, and it was the same as Canberra with the Dragons bogey team. When Canberra were really bad and the Dragons were in the Wayne Bennett era, Canberra would still beat them. Mm. You know, it's just a rugby league thing. And it's, it's just a sport thing, really. But then, yeah. as I said, the Dragons have now won nine years in a row over Easter. It's a, it's a funny little thing. But do we just go, that was a day. But if, if that was a one-off, if the Manly game hadn't happened, Sunday wouldn't have worried me. Oh, I completely agree with that. The Manly oh, game to me is the, is the worry that that happened after the Manly game. The Manly game has really put the, I think, put the cat amongst the pigeons in terms of what this team is and yeah. what it's capable Cause, of. Because because the Sharks have now proven they're very good. So the Sharks' loss is nothing. We had we had some injuries to awful conditions at Cronulla. They beat us. Didn't blow us off the park with beat us. You know, that's nothing. Six, and as well, six-day turnaround off. Um, yeah, exactly. And all those six-day turnarounds we're having. The Penrith game, obviously, we were probably a big chance of winning it until the Barnett thing happened. Um, it's, the, it's only the Manly game. Like I said, Sunday's performance... As great as it, as bad as it was, it wasn't awful. It was, you know, it was just not good enough. Um, it's the manly game that is, I think, is tainted at all. That's the one that you know sticks in my crawl. Yeah, I, I want to get back to the game again in terms of because it's it's easy to look, sort of look at a loss and look at some of the stats and go, oh, well, was us? And I mean, we were eight nil going in late into the game. If we win this game, 
the turning point is the Kalen Ponga tackle on Tariq Sims. The irony being that this is the most maligned fullback in the competition in terms of his last line of defence. And he put in, like, Tariq Sims needed to pass the ball, takes it on, gets tackled. He had the potential that he t- that he cost his team the game because we then go up the other end and KP, you know, beats 17 blokes, flick passes to Tuala, and we're on the board. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's um, oh, I just for starters, the yeah, Sims just yeah, that just I, oh my god, how does that go? We all thought he was scoring. Him? Let's let's be honest. Every night's fan saw him run through that hole, and we were like, "Yep, here comes the try," and he's going to make us. He's going to let remind us a lot that he Shout just out scored. To the, to, to the callback who doesn't try in defence, just smashed one of the biggest second rolls in the competition. But you know. <laughs> I think sure Brian Pappenhausen, you know, would have got run over, but no one would have mentioned it. I think um, KP would have taken a lot of personal satisfaction out of that try, uh, out of that tackle. <laughs> but oh, it just—I don't know. That that game just confuses me. It really does. The yeah. game just confuses me. I don't know what to make of it because we weren't awful. I, I was watching it with the Misso, and when Kaylin Ponga scored the try under the posts with the kick to put us at level, uh, she was convinced we were going to run away, we were going to win. We and, had the ball again. Yeah, that we was 16 the. All, we had the ball once after we got the, after it was sixteen all. Yeah, and we just we're not a smart footy team in terms of being able to put ourselves in a position to capitalise on those big moments unless it's a freakish play of just, you know, unbelievable genius from Yakalen Ponga. And I'm thinking about the Sharks game at home last year where he almost had to single-handedly yeah. win us that game. And we still really blew that from having a good lead. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, the, you're right, the, the, uh, the, the KP try, because remember the Dragons when they scored then they went back-to-back in enthusiasm? So we had that amazing try where Bradman's in space and KP scores untouched. KP mm. gives it the big fist pump and you feel like, man, and the next set was just blur. You know, we just five hit ups and kicked it deep, you know? Mm. Whereas, whereas, as I said, when the Dragons scored, you know, a really good try, they scored the next set again. Well, they back it up, yeah. Because, you know, because it builds enthusiasm. And we, and we lifted after that try. We definitely lifted. But... You know, but we just went through the mo. We kept going through the motions as if, like, say, 16 all. Now we've got to play tight. It's like once we got to 16 all, we got real tight, and the dragons mm. still, you know, more more sort of free flowing in their game. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I I felt the same when when that try was good. That all right, we you know we, we've unlocked it now. We'll, we'll get over the top of it. Can we um can we skip forward to the I think the biggest talking point from the game, um. The short kickoff and the Dragons regather. Um, I forget the name of the player. It's, uh, Zach Lomax was the one who knocked it back. Was the Dragons player offside or not? Was, was he offside no. in the act of picking nope. up that ball? So he, it, got, it, he got he got behind the point where the ball was touched. So I, I want to say straight up, I, I don't actually care. I'm, I'm talking more about now in terms of the curiosities of the game, and it, it's fun to have a bit of analysis for it because I don't think it cost us the game. And again, it's another decision that, okay, it didn't go our way, you deal with it. Did, did the player's feet have to... I mean, how does the rule sort of work? Because he, I think he definitely catches the ball behind Zach Lomax, which isn't, isn't that supposed to be enough to put him on side. But isn't there something about his feet 
having to be behind. How does no, the rule that's actually only, work? That's only odd side from a kick, mate. That's only yeah. he, he all he has to do is is touch the ball from behind the point it was touched. So that's where his hands touch it. See, I think he does. He I, does. He absolutely does. He's probably level when when he takes it. He's probably level with Lomax and yeah. with his hands outstretched, and the ball is then behind where it was where Lomax had touched it. Yeah. See, I, at, at the time I was watching it, I, I specifically remember being disappointed that it didn't go our way, not aggrieved that it that it went against us. No, I knew. No, and then you know, everyone's like, "Oh, buddy, awful decision." I'm like, no, not really. Like at, at worst, it's a fifty-fifty call. Mm. And I'm happy to go with you know it's a really tight call like it, yeah. it went against us. Yeah. Um. No, I, I think the referee got it spot on. I think, I think the, yeah he was his feet were probably still in front of Zach, but he, he his hands were outstretched and he, and he caught the ball behind the point of where it was touched. That's all he has to do. Yeah, I actually thought Ben Cummins. Funnily, I always talk about the the in terms of what impact did the referee have on the game in terms of how much did I notice him? And I've got to be honest with you, I was I was more upset with how. We were playing. At no point did I sort of go, oh, the ref's done this. Oh, I barely noticed Ben. The only time I noticed Ben Cummins was when I was happy to laugh about the fact that there was another six again error that he was involved with, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but at no point did I sit there going, oh, Ben Cummins is having a shocker today. No, I was like, we're having a shocker today. Regardless. See, even that six again error, the Dragons had stopped and we still couldn't stop the play where we actually ended up giving them six again. Yeah. They 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 end up passing it twenty five times and us touching it when they literally stopped because they you know they couldn't work out what was going on and we still couldn't you know kill the play. I um we still don't seem to be a, a I hate this phrase we still don't seem to be a team that's capable of playing eyes up footy. You look at the Roosters game and if you think about that game in terms of what we achieved there, that in a lot of ways that game just went to plan for us. We never, we never had to change it up. We, we, we set in our way. We got set in our ways, and it worked, and it kept working, and we were just happy to do that for eighty minutes, and looking, we got looking, the win. Looking back now, but that doesn't look, look like the winner does. The Roosters are very, very sketchy at the moment. Yeah, no, which is, you know, which and, is, and I think it's also a case of Adam O'Brien knows the way Robbo plays and yep. defends, and yep. you know he was good enough yep. to break it down. Yes, I don't think we can actually just break teams down by by feel, other than no. Kalen. Exactly. So, and this is why I say to you is that we, and again, it's something that just sits in, it just sits at the back of my sort of throat that just makes me so edgy about Adam O'Brien is that there just feels like there's such a set way about we go, that we go about games. It's so rigid and it's very frustrating to watch because games like Sunday, we needed to adapt just a little bit more in terms of getting a bit more forward motion. And we just, we just seeming like, hamstrung to be able to do it. Yeah, I just, I don't, you, as I said, it's, it's that enthusiasm factor. It's that thing that we can't, we can't just use the momentum of the game and just put on a play, you know, carve a team open because we've got, we can, we can do it through, because we've got great players, you know, Caelan and Brabham put that try, you know, because they're great players. Mm. But we can't just produce that. You know, we can't, you know, Caelan just can't rip through the middle because someone throws an inside pass. The inside pass is always telegraphed. Teams see it coming. No, All that's exactly that right. Teams seem to be able to do to to rest the momentum of a game. We can't do. It's all very laboured. 
It's funny because you sort of um, – one of your criticisms about – and I use the word criticism because I just genuinely didn't plan this. I can't think of a better word. Um, in terms of our win over the Tigers was that – for lack of a better phrase, like it didn't seem like very structured play in terms of the way that we beat the Tigers, but in a no, lot we of ways, on kicks and lucky bounces. But that's the thing is that in a lot of ways, the way we won that game is the way we could have won on Sunday because we sort of we took advantage of the play as it happened. Whereas yeah, on we Sunday, the, the, we, the difference is we did didn't defend the same. We scored, we, you know, we scored and you know more than enough points if we defended okay. Yeah, I mean, Adam McCulloch, and, sorry, Andrew McCulloch breaks a 27-game scoring drought against he, us. He's like, already tried it twice in the same frigging game. <laughs> I was literally laughing here with my kid and went, you watch McCulloch, we'll go from down the half, and he literally did it. And then five minutes later, they were attacking him, he did it again. I went, this is the greatest thing ever. Every time we're in trouble, he does that stupid thing where he never scores, and literally the, the third time he does it, and we just let him stroll over. Like, fuck. <laughs> Adam O'Brien literally was said, this guy wore red and blue. This guy was a Knights player. We, we talked about it all week. That's what he's going to do. You watch the, the Dragons attack is so bad in the 20 because of Andrew McCulloch. <laughs> because every time they've got some momentum, he goes to dummy half, gets held up, and the whole players have stopped for bloody two minutes. We, we were doing a, jo- a very good job of making their attack look a lot better than it was. Because like, they're and- not very good and we're somehow worse. <laughs> Andrew Voss, I think, at one point was almost apologising for the play in commentary, just going, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, you got to watch this. Um, mate, I, I want to get to one of our bigger – we got massive um, uh, interactions on one of our posts uh, post-game, and it was a, an appreciation post for David Clemmer. But it was off the back of just – a dog act, and you know it's at the lower end of the of the dog actory by Zach Lomax, where he was rubbing it in the face of Tyson Frizzell after they scored a try, and David Clemmer was um, giving him a bit of lip after the game. I love what Clem did. I loved that. I mean, how often do you always talk about you know sticking up for your mates in rugby league, and we don't have that in the professional game anymore? I'm like, Clem was literally doing that. He was that is the that is the the, the retribution or the retributive sort of act of sorts that you want to see from your footy players. And he was doing it. And um, even then they're like, oh, why didn't you do it during the game? And I'm like, well, what the hell does that because even mean? That's the thing about Clem. Everyone would, you know, talk about Clem being a loose cannon and whatnot. Clem didn't punch him. Clem didn't threaten him. Clem didn't give away stupid penalties trying to get retribution. Yeah. After the game was over and done with, he went and had a quiet word with it. Mm. Isn't that exactly what you want out of one of your leaders? Yeah. He didn't make a big show of it. He didn't scream and rant and get, do the full Clem going red in the face business. He just went, mate, if you do that again, I'm going to fucking kick your head in. <laughs> Done. And, I and, then was... when, and Clem's right. Because Zach Glimax does that five years ago. Tyson Frizzell turns around and puts him in the grandstand. <laughs> I thought it was interesting as well. A lot of people tried to liken the uh, Will Chambers uh, oh. celebration from the right. And I'm like... People tend to forget that Will Chambers is not a He did it to himself. Star. He did that to himself. He started celebrating with a team that had just beat him. And they were like, hey, what are you? Okay, bring on. 
So I thought that was just classic rugby league fan commentary. Where they're like, oh, the same thing happened all these years, which is no, that's that's not it at all. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I thought Clem was sensational on uh, Sunday, and I was more than happy to. And you know, we got a lot of comments as you tend to do on social media, you know, saying how um, useless he is. And I'm just like, oh man, that's that's pr- that's more proof that we can put into exhibit, you know, item number one million and seventy nine as to why people will complain about something. I always laugh that they just it. come with the money, money, like Clem running away business, and Clem was just. I don't get that, eh? Like, Martin, don't get Marnie Moe's a scary man. Like, I don't blame somebody to run away. But <laughs> Clem just walked away. Like, that was, he was trying to find him. And Clem, you know, at that stage, Clem was literally the night's pack. Yeah. Like, he knew he couldn't get suspended or get in trouble or whatever. And he's walked away. And ever since then, it's like, he's, he's a cat. Really? Yeah. You seen David Clemmer? Like, he's a frightening man. He's been going around. Like, yeah. So, mate, we've got the. Um, Oh boy, we've got the Eels this weekend, and they're coming off a heartbreaking loss on Easter Monday. I mean, you've got you've you've got to be backing the Eels this weekend, because the reason is is that you're sort of like, well, the Eels will be looking to respond, and you go, oh well, the Knights lost as well; they'll be looking for a response. I'm like, we've been looking for a response for the last month. I I I, I honestly, I think this is going to be a bloody drive your mental last minute of the game loss. Win either way. And not because I think we're as good as Parramatta, we're not. I think they're a little bit out of form, like in terms of you know they're, they're still even though they've had you know they've gone okay in terms of winning some games this year, they're not at their at their um, fluent best, and we're going to be desperate. There's no doubt we're going to be desperate. Going to be a big crowd there Sunday. Parramatta always get a good crowd. Mm. I think this is going to be a game that's going to drive us mental. So um, we'll do a little bit more around the grounds, uh, as it were. Uh, Tigers played a great game on Easter Monday. They absolutely in every uh, facet deserved their win. Um, was Jackson Hastings? He was obviously the difference, but was Jackson Hastings to seven the difference, or did the no, Tigers just no, click? That that's all just fluff. <laughs> they, played, they played the same role they played if he was in the six. They yeah. did exactly what they did when they played together at the start of the season. That's well, all so you, s- you say that, you say that, but one of the things I actually really enjoyed, and don't get me wrong, this could be a case of Matthew Johns trying to be a lot smarter about it than you need to be, but he did show a lot of footage about how. The difference for Luke Brooks having um, Hastings at seven was that being that first receiver, he just draws a little bit more of the defence as uh, uh, with the first play on the ball that creates a little bit of extra space for Brooks that he wouldn't otherwise get at first receiver. So it allowed him to do a lot more things and utilise his skill that he otherwise hasn't been able to do. Uh, uh, a big brain at. <laughs> Honestly, like it made it made no difference. They won because Jackson Hastings played well. He would have played just as well in the six jersey. Yeah, I thought I, I thought it was a cracking game. It was a great way to it was a great way to end the um end the uh, the weekend of um, league as well. Um, so uh, and we're always happy when uh, we're always happy when our producer, the biggest tiger, is um is uh, is getting a win on the board, mate. Where? What can what do we need to do to beat the um, the eels on Sunday if we can do it? Um, I think what we need to do is we need to, we need to um, take the take the weight off our back. We need to play some open football. It's, you know, it should be reasonable weather. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, we really yeah we I, I feel I think if Parramatta are, are you know, at their best, we, we won't be able to match them. But if yeah. we can drag them into a bit of a fight and you know and, and KP can can play. At least as good as he did on the weekend, hopefully better. 
Um, we're in with a shot. I'm, you know, I Paramount are clear favourites. There's no doubt about that. But I, I give us some sort of chance. Yeah. Um, I know it was a long time ago. The only other thing I did want to talk about was, um, um, oh, you had to feel you, you, you got to feel for uh, Canberra Raiders fans at the moment. Um, or you know, you don't, you don't. But, but you know, <laughs> 12, 12 nil up at home to the Cowboys, and they still manufactured a way to fade out in the end and lose. That's real heartbreak stuff. As you and I would recognise. They're, they're putting my kids through Catholic school. <laughs> no better bet in rugby league than back in Canberra to lose when they're in front of half time. Yeah. It's putting my kids through Catholic school. Thank you, Raiders. <laughs> um. I thought the Warriors aimed up really well against the Roosters on the weekend. I thought they yeah, were. I was impressed with the Warriors. Like they got pretty comfortably, but I was. I thought they they had a really good, really big dig. Yeah, and um, I guess the game of the round as well, Storm v the Sharks. I mean, thirty six to eighteen in the end. Or what a funny game! What, what if I because if you yeah. if, if the score if you didn't actually pay attention to the score you'd go oh Melbourne probably just won, but they were always well in front like they were they were always comfortably leading. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. That was a funny game. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'd, I don't know what to make of Cronulla. Like I just, oh, as you, as I've said here, like I wasn't big on them at the start of the year, and I'm still not particularly big on them. But all the things they they do well, they do really well, and they do them every week. Um, Storm thirty four to eighteen on that as well, and um, the highlight of that game was obviously Cam McInnes, um, Cam McInnes's oh, uh, tackle tackle credit, effort credit on you, son. He's social media genius. Like he's all he's everywhere now. <laughs> the shooting star edit of him is um, is something you have to see. Uh, I've seen one week. where he was like he was sliding down the temp in bowling alley. Uh, yeah, the pins that that was quite good. Yep. Um, did the Panthers lose a game at all this season? Oh, they like, will, but it won't be until Origin. Yeah, is it just going to be Origin when they lose? Yeah, and 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 not because they think the younger guys aren't good enough because they've shown you know without Cleary and that I actually think without Isaiah Yo and Cleary, you know, that'll be the difference. Yeah, Cam Munster, is he the form player in? I mean, he's a form player from the round. That's I, I put my hand up again. I've got to do that a lot when, since we started recording. I genuinely did not know Cam Munster was that good until Saturday night. That's why. Oh, I really? I, I see. I'm the opposite. I've been really disappointed with how Cam Munster's gone the last couple of years because I think he's all time great. Really? Yeah. No, mate. He can do because. Th- He's got he got the strength. Like how many times in Origin have you seen him just pull through tackles and score tries? He's got all the skills. I honestly, I think he's in terms of ability. I think he's in the top three Melbourne players of all time. He's not really? he will never be because he doesn't have the consistency of the other guys. But yeah. I think only Gi and Slater have more ability than him. Yep. No, I know, and I know what you're saying. I do know what you're saying in terms of that. Um, no, see, I thought Cam Munster was a player that was just. Uh, cruising off the back of a couple of you know good good performances or above average performances that everyone was like oh yeah the potential is clearly there but that he'd never really been too bothered to sort of show and I didn't know about do you the- remember how good he was a fullback but no like he was when he was playing a fullback he was all time he could he looked all time great yeah he um yeah I I actually think they moved him too early okay um. Yeah, no, he um no, I'm I'm always I've always been big on Ken. I was I down and when this whole KP thing was going about, I was all in on if KP goes, we just got to offer Ken whatever whatever it takes. It's well, two million, it's two million. Well, one of the things that I, w- I was going to sort of say, and you know, this will sound a bit trite, was uh, in a lot of ways, I thought Cam Munster was the player on Saturday night that I think Kalen Ponga can be. Oh yeah, yeah, K- Kalen, and that's what it, that's what annoys me about Kalen. 
Kalen's got all that ability of Cam, and he, to me, he's the opposite. He's wasting it in the completely opposite way. Yeah. Cam wasting it because he's a party guy, and you know he just footballs his thing. Kalen's not a party guy, but he's also not particularly interested in football. If you know what I mean. I, I absolutely know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying there. KP, no, no, I know exactly what you're saying because KP sees footy as a part of his life, not his entire life. Whereas Munster sort of sees, he sees footy as that, I like being good at footy. I haven't yet decided how good I want to be at it though. Is that it's, what you're saying? Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. And like, and KP sort of sees football as a way to fund what he'll do with his life. Yeah. Cam, and Cam... You see, football's a way to fund his lifestyle, and we know what that lifestyle is. It's not true. <laughs> Mate, it's been another, it's been another crackerjack um, chat again with you, and I'm just, I've, I've got to be honest with you, I am, like I said, it, it's a shame that it's not 100% excitement. I, I'm actually sort of starting to feel like the overwhelming uh, feeling at the moment is actually relief that we've locked in the KP. Um, signing for the next five years because it's actually really funny. One other thing I did want to mention was um, I was actually jealous watching the Panthers press conference of Nathan and Ivan Cleary. When I, I was watching the footage of that, so jealous in terms of why can't this be the Knights with Kalen Ponga? Like, why can't we ever have good things? And so it was so funny to me that we actually, like, not even a, you know, a couple of weeks later, we were literally able to to have that own uh, our own press conference to deliver that great news. And um, ah, just uh, yeah, just an all round great day. Now, down the block, Come on, mate. You know we like to get our um, our terrible, terrible tips out of the way. So um, uh, let's uh, let's smash these out and uh, and let everybody get on with their lives. Uh, Thursday night, Sharks v Eagles. Oh, yeah, Sharks without Turbo, yeah, Sharks. Yeah, you got to have the Sharks at home. Yeah. I, I think this is the more interesting one. Broncos at home to the Bulldogs. Oh, the Bulldogs got those COVID issues now. They might be trotting out their third stringers. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah they got they have huge COVID issues. Broncos all the way. Cowboys and the Titans up at Townsville. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough one, isn't it? Um, what do we make of the Titans? Where are oh, they? I don't, I don't know, mate. I, I don't know. I think I think they're a bit like us. They've got some superstar players and they've got some absolute passengers. The only thing I say about the Titans is I don't understand why they feel the need to wait until they're several points down before they start playing. Because, it's like, because, they're, because they're, they're, they're weak-minded. Honestly, that's it. They can't. They can't concentrate for eighty minutes. Bredo, uh, Bredo Shank, uh, calling it as he sees it. Um, yeah. But so are we. I'm not just having to go. Then we're the same. No, no, I know. I know. It's just I can see that being the only soundbite that anybody listens yeah, to from the last hour and a half. Forty, and that'll be all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think the Cowboys at home to the Titans. Yeah, I think. And we've got a generally as the Titans, so the Cowboys. Yeah, and Cowboys are coming off the win, mate. I th- this is a big one. The Tigers are coming off their first win of the season, hosting the Rabbitohs, and they're four dollars outsiders. Wow! See, I was I, see, I, I, I thought South started to play some really good footy once. Um, Cody and Taff, you know. No, no, no. The Tigers, game, the, but, the Tigers well, are the four dollar outsiders. Yeah, I'd South, but yeah, that's yeah, that's tempting. Knights uh, over the Eels. We move on from that one, uh, and the Panthers hosting. What do you tell me? What you think about the game on Sunday, mate? You ask my opinion. What do you think? In terms of... How we'll go. 
Uh, I, no, I, look, I, I think I think we'll get a bit of a sugar hit from the KP announcement. I, I can probably even see, even see us taking out a, a fairly early lead, but I just I think the I, I think we'll lose both. I think the Eels are a twenty point better team than us, and I think they'll show yeah, it on Sunday. I think we're the, I think we're a really good front running team. You know, we, the way we play, we like you know if we can get early leads. I think you know, yeah, we're actually really good. But which you show, which you showed in the first few weeks. My my concern there is though is that. Like we've only done it twice, yeah. and ever since then we've we, the last four games we've we've started chasing the game. We just can't get that good start going. So that's why I sort of think I, I just it, it'll all be the start. Like if we can just score some points in the first 10, 15 minutes, I think we give ourselves a chance. But the last four one weeks, the two two super tough games in the next two weeks, we'll win one of them. Ooh, that's very interesting. We haven't beaten the storm for a while. No. We'll win one of these next year. That's very interesting. Come on, mate. Let's get these out of the way. Panthers hosting the Faders. Oh, Panthers by as many as you can put in ticket. Yeah, we've got to pick a margin for that. I'm going to go with 30. And Dragons hosting the Roosters. Oh, the Roosters. Dragons have their damn son. Jesus. The Warriors are the biggest outsiders of the week. $7 um, away to the Storm. Oh, yeah. The Anzac Day game. Yeah. Night game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Melbourne all. I want to beat him comfortably. Bretto, we'll wrap it up there. Um, again, just another, um, just another great, uh, great day in the in the roller coaster that is being a Newcastle Knights fan. Um, we've got KP. We've got the player that we want. Um, the Strawberry Kale at Strawberry Kale and uh, Twitter account can um, can continue on in all of its glory. And, Five more uh, years locked in, baby. You'll be beauty. So he'll be he'll be with the club nine years by the time he leaves. Nine so, years. Wow. Yeah. Probably get less for murder. <laughs> Brad, I will leave it there, mate. Thanks, everybody, for joining us again. We do give another shout-out to our very proud sponsor, A-plus Contracting and Poly Welding, who are, do let us do this every week. And, um, yeah, go the Mighty Fighting Knights. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. would like to thank you for listening right to the end you are our kind of people find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing and remember social media isn't a bad place you just need to follow the right people